This podcast has been recorded over a week ago, like a previous Saturday. So everything might be a little bit outdated. I got two, 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 too much money. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode two of the Too Much Monte podcast featuring Max Levy and me. Today, we're mostly going to talk about the Christoph Porzingis trade, how, how that like uh, impacts the Mavs and the Knicks, and uh, what we think about the players. So, Max, what do you think about the about Christophs? Well, I'm thinking that if those reports are true and he's going to be back on the next home game, February the 6th against the Hornets, that would be amazing. But, I mean, as a player, I mean, it's so obvious how this is going to work when he actually gets on the court. Like, I know it's kind of a tired comparison to compare Kristaps to Dirk, and they are technically different players. But with that being said, you're talking about a seven-footer who can get off a three with a really quick trigger. is not is not only a seven-footer; he's seven foot three. He's capable of posting up and shooting over d- defenders, even through a little bit of contact. Um, he can get his way to the basket and finish at the rim, even though he's not extremely athletic, solely because he's just a little bit fluid and very tall. Like he's, you can you even though he's not as athletic as DeAndre Jordan, you can still make a lot of those pick and rolls. Lobs still work just because of his size. For sure, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think also DeAndre Jordan wasn't really trying that hard with rolls. It seemed like he wasn't jumping that high. Maybe something was bothering him this year because it really felt like he wasn't as athletic as before. So well, I mean, he's I he's over the hill now, so he's like thirty. That's true. Yeah. And when you're talking about a supremely athletic center that has a bounce and is, you know, declining after the loss of Chris Paul and might not be particularly motivated anymore, it's not too surprising. I was just <laughs> wishing for better at the start of the season. I was thinking he would rebound and instead he just kind of got like maybe 1%, 2% better in like a couple areas that really mattered and then 10% better in a whole lot of things that nobody really n- needed. For sure, yeah, it's kind of weird, but like, yeah, Kristaps, I think at his age, if he heals uh, decently, he's kind of like compared to like a 30-year-old DeAndre Jordan, he's basically just as athletic. Like, so, yeah, it works in my opinion. I'd argue more because he can. He's not gonna have to like limit his amount of times he's going up because of how old he is. Like his knees can take it a little bit more. The only problem with his knees is that in exchange for being able to jump more, they can also get more hurt because he's still kind of skinny. Yeah, it should be the top priority of the Mavericks to thicken out those knees. Honestly, when I heard the news, like it was so weird how the how like the rumors started and the Mavs weren't in the conversation at all. And I was kind of speculating by myself, just like what could the Mavs offer? And I was like, there's no way. And then all of a sudden, it just happened. Like, the Mavs traded for Christoph Porzingis. It was so weird. I never expected it. And I was I was really excited about it. And then they just threw in, like, Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, Trey Burke. Of course, because we gave them picks and salary dumps. But, like, that's insane. Like, it's, it's just an improvement in every way. I mean, 
imagine using Chris Dutz Porzingis as a sweetener to get off $30 million in cap space. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> also, another thing is, you know, you saw all those other teams were offering. It's like, what, there's no way the Mavs had the best offer of this group. So something was going on in the Knicks organization that made them anxious. I guess a lot of teams just were really cautious because of his injury. And I think Kristaps saying that he wants to be gone, you know, I think that like puts a lot of pressure on the organization, you know. Yeah, I think I saw on Zach Lowe's rumors too, something about how either the either the Pelicans or the Knicks were offering Porzingis in a deal to get Anthony Davis. Like they were they were talking about between each other. And I could have sworn they said the Knicks turned it down, but I'll check it. That will be just crazy. Well like that that just makes too much sense. Like straight up Porzingis for Anthony Davis. No, it was like it was like involving Porzingis and like yeah. other assets, but yeah. For, yeah. for salary, yeah. But like how 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 is that? A bad deal for the Knicks. Like, well, I mean, like actual assets, not just salary, like picks and whatever. Because it's, yeah, it's I, Anthony Davis, but yeah, this is a weird situation because my second favorite team are the New York Knicks, and though I, I, I really, I've barely watched games from the Knicks because they sucked that much this year, and it's not like with the Mavs because I literally watch every Mavs game there is, but still the Knicks are my second favorite team. I like them a lot, even though. The franchise is kind of, they're like struggling to find out what, what they really are, you know, what their identity is. I think right now, just Kristaps wasn't really working, I guess, because uh, like at first I was kind of mad from the Knicks perspective. You know, I was like, of course, happy because I'm a Mavs fan. I was really happy and only thinking about that. But then I started thinking about it from the Knicks perspective. And I was really just like upset about it. And I was like, what are they doing? But then I started thinking, and they just they just really want to like build from the future, like tank and stuff, and just building around Porzingis with like no talent. That's just not a smart idea, I guess. So they just really want to get like Zion or something, something else big in this draft, and then surrounding that, they really want more picks, of course, which they got, and they want to sign some stuff in free agency. So I guess it's like something they had to do it's just like couldn't they got more for Brazingas? That's, that's the thing mostly but i think that we fine. and i was kind of considering like just being mad about the knicks and just like giving up but i think they're doing something they had to do basically i think they didn't do their diligence and also another note they were declined by the pelicans so the pelicans turned down the offer but regardless, you go from going for AD with Porzingis to trading him for Dennis Smith cap space and two first rounders. Like, there has to be a middle ground there. But the Pelicans declined the offer, right? You said. Yes, the Pelicans did decline yeah. the offer because apparently Boston is in their ear telling them we'll give you a whole bunch of stuff in the summer. I mean, yeah, I guess then that kind of makes sense. I mean, they of course they wanted Anthony Davis, but if the Pelicans declined, then there's nothing you can do. Well, yeah, but you'd think it almost seems like they were so shook by it that they went out and gave up KP for like what you could call quote unquote, like not a bag of chips, maybe a bag of like luxury tortilla chips and quality salsa and guacamole and queso. You could do like that, yeah. <laughs> 
like and that's and you could probably get that at at, at the store for like 12 to 13 dollars 15 dollars yeah so. i mean honestly it's it's kind of funny how how Knicks fans they they just don't don't know anything about dennis Smith jr and right now they're kind of salty about it but i think Dennis Smith Jr. is pretty much going to shine for the Knicks, and I think they'll be happy with him in, within like a couple of days when he's playing. Honestly, I think they have nothing to lose in having him, and I think he's going to love New York. As yeah. to whether or not he'll play good, that really has nothing to do with anything that you can predict right now, because it all depends on how he's going to be used in that offense, and honestly, the intentions of the coach at this point, because you're seeing the fact that they're going to keep Wes Matthews and DeAndre Jordan, which is kind of puzzling, considering their situation. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 really weird, weird and frustrating, because Fisdale is basically, like, trying to win with, like, a really bad team, so, like, Frank Nilekina barely gets minutes, Cantor just doesn't play all because he feels like he wants to win, but they're still like 10 and 40. So what's 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 the logic behind that? So like just uh, most logically, you would just start DSJ next to like Nilekina, just both as guards. But he's not going to do that because he wants to play West Matthews and the Jordan, I think. Yeah, I was, Fizdale in New York was always going to be a curious fit to me because – I don't know how much Fizdale's a fan of having the lights on him. He's a very, like, kind of, like, wants to be a little behind the scenes with how he does things. Like, yeah. he's kind of a, I need a little bit of control, and whenever you want a little bit of control in New York, you're going to get hounded. Another thing is that he was saying that he wanted to play Wes and DeAndre so he could teach the team defensive principles. Yeah. <laughs> That's just hilarious. Yeah, that's the most ironic thing ever. I mean, it's really funny because I've also heard like uh, a bunch of Knicks fans talk about how how DeAndre Jordan is, is is at least an upgrade over Cantor and stuff, and it's like it's like really ironic to hear that. Like, I mean, yeah. theoretically, it's just because he's sort of athletic, but like yeah. other than that, it's pretty much the same thing, honestly. And Cantor, you could argue, has the post ups. I mean, do you want a guy that can post up or do you want a guy that can sort of run to the rim like three or four times, but otherwise he's going to get tired because he's old and he has bad knees or whatever because he's he's yeah. like lost weight and stuff just to be able to keep jumping. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think right now I'd probably take Cantor over the Orange Jordan. Yeah. And that's the sad part is Cantor is marooned there. He, like, honestly, I would be curious to see him in, like, a Greg Monroe sort of role on a contending team. It's like, 15 minutes a game, scores a couple post-ups, gets some rebounds, and just bees like a old-style big man whenever the rest of the offense, for whatever reason, is just broken. Yeah. Honestly, when he has the chance, he probably just signs with OKC again. That's basically the only team that ever, like, cared about him and stuff, I think. I would be interested to see him on the Bucks and put him in a backup big man role where, you know, like literally the Greg Monroe, like whenever he was off the Bucks because he was starting on the Bucks. But like when like when you can have a kind of big man to come off your bench, give you some buckets whenever, you know, you can just relieve a little bit of that load off of guys like, you know, Giannis, even though I'm sure he can handle it. But like Giannis, Chris Middleton. 
Brooke Lopez. It just it gives you an, another tool to attack with in your offense that can only help you. And I mean, you're already the best defense in the league, so you don't have a whole lot to lose. Yeah, for sure. That that would be a, a great fit, actually. Yeah, I'd like to see that happen. Yeah, like I or at least I think they're the top defense in the league. I remember saying they were at least top defensive rating, but that that was a little while ago. All right. Um, I guess it would be time to move on to another piece in the Knicks deal. Yeah, sure. Uh, well. You really wanted to talk about Tim Hardaway Jr., right? I think we both uh, do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I because I'm sort of like a Knicks fan. I've I've seen like uh, a bunch of games from him, but like for some reason, every reason he's like a totally different player because he like the situation is different. One one time he's like the leading scorer, then he's a role player. It's really I don't really know what he is basically. But that said. Uh, I think I got a different picture from what he is than you have because you actually started to talk about how he's very simple, similar to one of my favorite players, Monte Ellis. And at first I was kind of confused when you said that, but then you started uh, comparing the two and it actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, you're talking about a guard that's athletic, has a little bit of shake to him, has kind of had a reputation of being a chucker. The past couple of years, which Monte wasn't a three-point chucker, but he was a mid-range chucker, so yeah. you can you can swap out. It just it's just a matter of era and the way they grew up when it comes to that. Um, but unfortunately, unlike Monte, Tim Hardaway has the three-pointers. Tim Hardaway Jr. has the three-pointers, so you're going to be fortunate enough to still be able to space the floor. Even though he's had a couple down years, but I think you can attribute a lot of that to him shooting literally seven threes a game. Like he is not Wayne Ellington. Yeah, he, he, shoots, he shoots way too much threes, and I think actually he he'd probably be pretty good at like pull up shots, uh, jumpers, and driving a lot, and maybe like pick and roll stuff, which he isn't really doing that much in New York. Yeah, he's in the pick and roll possessions he's played. He's actually been used pretty well which is an right. interesting situation because I'd love to see some secondary pick-and-roll action where, you know, Luca can set up a mismatch for Tim Hardaway Jr. against this big man, and then Tim Hardaway can take him to town and, you know, just collapse the defense. You know, and if he has the vision that can be reported by some of his pick-and-roll numbers at all, it'd be interesting to see how well he can connect with guys like Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba for dump-offs and, and lobs. Yeah, for sure. I think right now his assist average is like two and a half a game. I think it's definitely gonna gonna be up by maybe double, like or at least four or something, like in the Mavs offense and system, you know. Uh, it, it really depends because he has the capability of doing it. I think, but it just kind of just depends on how heavily involved he's gonna be with the ball, or if he's gonna turn into something like what he was in Atlanta. In Atlanta, he was more like a, a catch-and-shoot, like, 3-and-D type guy, which is weird because his defense has been really bad. I mean, whenever you're on a team like Atlanta, defense just kind of comes throughout the team, unless you're, like, Dennis Schroeder. But, like, he mostly just shooting and not, not as much handling the ball, right, in Atlanta. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he had a couple really nice dunks and stuff, so that's cool. I mean, we're, let's just take a look. We're going to talk about these numbers. So Tim Hardaway Jr., 2017-2018, the last year where the Knicks were all right until KP went down, versus Monte Ellis, 2013-2014. Uh, 
Tim Hardaway Jr., 57 games played. Monte, 82 points, 19 uh, a game in 37 minutes. Tim Hardaway Jr., 17 and a half in 33 minutes. Uh, Monte on an effective field goal percentage of 48%. Tim Hardaway Jr. on an effective field goal percentage of 50%. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. shooting seven threes a game, whereas Monte shooting 13 two-pointers a game. <laughs> and Monte averaging five assists to 3.2 turnovers, which well, is 5.7, so like 5.7 to 3.2, so... A little less, like than a one to two assist turnover, whereas you could say about the same thing for Tim Hardaway with a two point seven to one point six assist to turnover ratio. So I think it's possible, but it's going to be a major question of whether or not you can expand his playmaking to the sort of volume Monte Ellis had, with like a similar level of efficiency to provide some extra avenues in the offense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it all depends, I guess, from what. Rick wants wants from him. At least he's like uh, versatile enough to do like anything Rick wants, basically. Because like like you said, in Atlanta he was used completely different from New York. So at least that tells me that he's very versatile and pretty much open to anything that Rick wants from him. Yeah, and the story of Tim Hardaway is a little weird too. Like you're talking about gets drafted by New York, then goes to Atlanta, is then gets back to New York, and now he's involved in a trade with Chris Porzingis. Yeah. It's pretty weird. Yeah. It's like that entire situation is just kind of puzzling. I mean, I, I did see uh, a lot of interviews from when he signed with the Knicks and he constantly like talked about how Budenholzer like t- taught him a lot of defense and didn't play him if he didn't play defense and stuff. And that really changed him like as a player. Yeah, I think he has a little bit of defense in him. But when you're on a team like the New York Knicks, who are 10 and 40, like at a certain point, you just kind of, it just kind of gets depressing. Yeah, for sure. And if you have to do so much on the offensive scoring load, you're going to be tired and you don't really have a lot of energy left for defense. I mean, like being honest with ourselves, he's really like, he's not a 20 point scorer in any natural offense. Like at best, he's literally what Mavs had with Monte, which 19 was still probably a bit much for Monte, but we needed him to do it because we had no other choice. But Me? now we have options now. Like we ha- we have more than like a 36 year old Dirk and I mean, uh, Jameer Nelson or whatever. The thing that made Monte Ellis like the Monte Ellis we knew in Dallas was basically because he was like forced to be the leading scorer, basically, and also because we basically had no point guard, so he had to be like the scoring leader. And basically the assist leader. Yeah, and, I just, I forgot who the point guard even was. I was like, I don't even think it was Jameer Nelson. Like, I think that was the year after. I'm just trying to figure out who it was. The first year when we had uh, Sam D'Alembert, it was Jose Calderon. Oh, yeah. That's that's basically an off guard. That's short. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then the second year we had yeah Jameer Nelson with a rotation of Raymond Felton and Devin Harris. The yeah. trade that never needed to happen. Jameer Nelson. Out yeah, for Rajon Rondo never even needed to happen. For sure, I mean, so many people are here talking about how the Mavs haven't been good since 2011, or how this season is the best they've had since then. And it's it's like, did you forget like how good the Mavs were in 2013-14? I, I think the or Spur- 14, took the champion Spurs to seven. 
Oh, that too. Yeah, I mean, that year was pretty good. But then the year after that, they had like the second seed right until they traded for Rondo. And then like, everything it, fell apart. It, it, it went really well. They could have been go- going to like the the conference finals or, or something. But people like just forget that because because they think we sucked all year or something. It's really weird. I want to throw this stat at you from that year really quick. Do you want to guess what Brandon Wright's true shooting percentage was that year? It was probably like 80%. No, it was 80. It was like it was 90% for a stretch though, but wow. overall for the year it was 70, which is just insane. I mean, I remember it being really high, so that's why I really said something ridiculous like 80. But oh, yeah. it was for like a stretch of games, and then you know reasonability came into existence. Yep. And I think he shot like a lot of mid ranges some sometimes. Like sometimes he just shot like four mid range jump shots in a game, and it just just ruined his percentage. Yeah, hold on, let me check his shooting from like inside three feet, because I imagine it's considerably higher. Oh wait, no, uh, seventy nine percent from inside three oh, feet. Interest, said, yeah. Interestingly, he shot forty seven percent from floater range, which is crazy. Yeah, he was really good at that, actually. Yeah, I remember Wait, that. Hold on, not forty-seven percent, forty fifty percent. Dewan Blair shot forty-seven percent, and he took twenty-seven percent of his attempts down there too. So it's not like he didn't have a decent volume of shots. Both of them were really good at it, and they just basically like ran and play for that, and it just they did they did it like a lot of that game. Sam, Sam Dallimer was pretty decent at it as well. Yeah, but so it's just insane that somehow we got these big men that you know are supposed to just be dunking but have like a little bit of a extra touch or whatever. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like we had like a three big men rotation that all could pretty much shoot floaters. And that was really useful and it was really fun to watch. You know who else the Mavs had that year? There's a specific name I'm about to tell you. Yeah, sure. I'm gonna, you're going to cry with me when you realize that he's off the maps now. Wayne Ellington was on that team. Yeah, I know. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was basically drafted by the Mavericks, right? No, he was. they signed him for like a one-year deal. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and, and, and Rick barely played him. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was drafted you, by like the T-Wolves. Uh, I guess yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, he was drafted by the T-Wolves. I was actually really frustrated at the time because I every time Wayne Ellington came in the game he always shot efficiently and he always uh did pretty well in garbage time so uh, i was always like just play him and i was i was always really annoyed that i think richard jefferson was on that team or no at least some veteran got time over him and i was always really frustrated by that yeah i think rj was the year after yeah but he took some from jake crowder that was it like i was really hey. annoyed that they can you be mad about it when you look at how Richard Jefferson performed that season? I mean, if you're looking at stats, I guess, but I... You're looking at a guy that literally dunked on Michael Kidd Gilchrist at, like, 36, shot threes, and was a wing. Like, what else do you want at a certain point? I mean, I don't expect more. I just wanted Jake Crowder to play over him. That was mostly it. Well, I think it was a victim of the era because... If this was three years later and it was the exact same situation, Jay Crowder would just play four. A couple of years ago, a lot of veterans from basically any team would play more than the young guys. And it's really turned around. Like Young guys are so much more important than veterans nowadays. It's really weird. Well, 
Yeah, but that wasn't the point. The point was that they would have played alongside each other. Richard would have played three, and Jay would have played four. Oh, that too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because, I mean, Jay basically is a four now. Like, he, you can't play him at three. He's not good enough as a shooter. I think he actually mostly played shooting guard in Dallas. That That's so surpri- surprising how that's so different. Um, He's listed as a small forward, so... Yeah, true. I, he played both a little, I think. I mean, maybe. I mean, it's it's all uh, whatever. It doesn't even really matter what the name of a position is anymore to me because it's all technicalities. But like the only like just like the quote unquote offensive role of like three versus four, he couldn't play three in this era really as a as an offensive player. I'm, I meant like back then for the Oh Mavericks. yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I get it. I'm I'm trying to find the position data right now. Uh, here we go. Um, 2013-2014 Mavericks, 88% of his minutes at small forward. All right. And yeah. uh, he's played small forward the majority of the time for every single season of his career, including this year. But he's also played 35% of his minutes this year for the Jazz at power forward. Yeah. Makes sense. He, yeah. He did almost play exactly half of his minutes during the time before he got traded in 2014-2015 as a shooting guard, but other than that, he was always like a small forward dominant. So I just want to move on a little bit to Courtney Lee, I guess. I mean, he hasn't played all year, and he didn't really play much the year before. So from how he played with the Knicks, I don't really that much, but I think he's like a decent player. He, he plays defense. He shoots threes efficiently so what do you think i think he's just a humble west matthews which is all right so i'll take it yeah it's pretty obvious what he's gonna do but i was just gonna say because we forgot to say it earlier um we were gonna talk about tim hardaway jr i just realized we forgot to mention the whole um the whole fish and chips thing yeah yeah it's good that you bring it up yeah so um he went to he was at the London game like two weeks ago now, January seventeenth against the Wizards, and uh he went out to like this fish and chips restaurant with like a YouTube channel that has like a following and just like ate some like traditional English food, including fish and chips, and was just like it was kinda cool, I guess. Got you got to know him a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I it was also kind of funny. It, it it was uploaded yesterday, and it already said Dallas Mavericks guard. So that was kind of interesting. And the whole comments were about how he got traded and stuff. It was pretty funny. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, he's like a fun person. I, I've seen him in uh, interviews for the Knicks, and he's always always happy, always friendly. He's a funny dude. Like he, he I, I think he he's pro- he probably works hard. He adapts to his role. He's a great person, I think. So, I really, I really am glad, glad that we have him. And I, and I really wanted to, him to be on the match for a while. And I think he's definitely an upgrade over Wes Matthews. Well, here's two things I want to add. Also, number one, I will say I did get a text from the draft guy I work with, Block Draft Dougie, and he was warning me about Tim Hardaway Jr. a little bit, saying if you think Harrison Barnes is bad. Um, but uh, hopefully that ends up being wrong because Rick can finally figure out how to use him properly. And second of all, are we ready for some too much Timmy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because of like what you said, yeah, he's kind of similar to Monte. 
so we should probably start like a too much Timmy thing. Yeah. <laughs> With uh, KP as Dirk and um, yeah. Luca as Chandler Parsons. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, I would love that. I don't think the thing would match up, like the letters, but yeah. <laughs> Wait, hold on. You got Tim, Luca, and you got, you can do either, I would say you would do D. So Doncic. Hardaway or Timmy and um, Porzingis or Chris Depps. So you could do T TDP. <laughs> I guess that's too different from the regular thing. I guess like TLP, like TLP. Yo, that's got to be it too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be TLP. That's got to be it. Nice. Or like LPT or whatever. LTP. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we've gone on too long for this. We should probably just move on. But yeah, that's pretty funny. And I, th- I think it's going to be an interesting thing. Yeah, for sure. You talked about how, how we should be warned about Tim Hardaway. I think from yeah from how he played with the Knicks, he he, he has a tendency to like score, like shoot too much, like Wes a lot. Like he played a lot like Wes did for the match. Like he just, he just shoots shoot shot after shot and... Pretty much like Barnes, yeah, he doesn't really see open shooters as well and think like things like that. But it's also, I guess, because he was like the leading scorer. I think he'll be fine more or less. Yeah, and another thing to consider was with Wes Matthews, I think it was a lot of a case of nature versus nurture. Consider when Wes Matthews came in. You're talking about that's the year before Barnes came in and you had Parsons. So the even though the Mavs had Parsons, you still have an offense that needs creation because you have an old Dirk you have Chandler Parsons and like I don't even think Monte was still around at that point I think or if he was it was like the it was the bad year uh Monte was here for two years from 2013 till 2015 yeah yeah so if he was if if it was Parsons in them 2014-15 yeah yeah well then uh no wait was that 15-16 if it was, then he was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I'm I'm checking right now. Yeah, that was the Jameer Nelson, and yeah, so that was the year after it was Parsons. I know they had Parsons. They they didn't have West yet. They had West the year after. That was the that was the last year they made the playoffs. Yeah, I guess West just had to like create a lot, and that took time to adjust, I guess. But he still did it too much, like lately. But anyway, what do you think about Trey Burke? I think it's an interesting project to make the next J.J. Barea. And yeah. a worthy question is, do the Mavericks think they have their J.J. and Devin of the future? Because you have the J.J. in quote-unquote J.J. and Trey Burke. And you have the quote-unquote Devin sort of guy in Jalen Brunson that's kind of multidimensional can sort of be an off guard but can play on the ball too is very savvy and not as wild of a player whereas trey burke's gonna be a wild card every night yeah for sure i think you're you're pretty much spot on like they're pretty much dead and it's pretty funny that like Jaden brunson he's like 23 and he all he plays like a 34 year old Devin harris that's pretty funny in my opinion yeah well the one thing he doesn't have is the cuts. Yeah, true. 
yeah. that cuts is literally what if he, then if, if Devin Harris wasn't one of the best cutters in the league, he would not be an NBA player. He would be a coach somewhere right now. I think so. Yeah, his cuts are pretty much what gives him an NBA job. Yeah, and his defense, his like effort, and just the 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 way he plays on defense makes him survive more often than he should for how old and how small he is. Even yep. though he has like a decent wingspan. Brunson has pretty good defense as well, right? Yeah, he doesn't have the length though. Yeah. I think it's a good comparison. Like uh Trey Burke is kind of small and streaky and, and quick. And Brunson is, like you said, like versatile and and, and uh, a combo guard. I really yeah, think they like their backup for for the off the bench for the future. Yeah. It's worth mentioning that it'd be interesting to see what Jalen Brunson would be like because if you look at his college tape, a lot of his scoring was like posting up smaller guards, and that's not really a thing you can do as much in the NBA. So it's been interesting to see how he's been able to still craft out this role. And I'd be curious to see if he ever tries to go back to those post-ups just to add something extra, but I'm just not sure how it would work in this NBA where everyone's like his size – at the minimum, pretty much, except for like Langston Galloway. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think he's not really gonna do that at all anymore. Maybe at like six foot guards, but still, yeah. I mean, most of the guys that are six foot, like you, they will just like they will just give up at that point. They'll just let you score, but there's not too many left. And on top of that, you still have guys like Yogi Ferrell, who, like, if you remember, like, two years ago now, he was, like, holding off Porzingis for, like, a possession, not because he was good at it, but just because he tried so hard that it ended up working out. Yeah, that's pretty much what Chris Paul is as well. He's, like, for a six-foot guard, he's, like, really, really strong, and he really he really tries on post-defense. And I think yeah. if you're six, you, you should really, like, be really strong and put a lot of effort in that. Yeah. Yeah, there should be really strong, or you should just shoot a lot of threes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, or like be like Monte Morris and just get ridiculous amounts of assists on a team that has shooters all around you. For sure. <laughs> that works too. Yeah. yeah. That's a really weird topic to talk about. Sorry for, but like, I really, I, I hear, I hear so little about the Nuggets, and I watch so little Nuggets games. That I really, I really don't. I know so little about everything, and then you, sometimes I hear about that Monte Morris guy, but I really don't know much, and it's so weird. Like, why are the Nuggets so irrelevant to the media? <laughs> because they're in Denver. I guess so. Yeah, but they're really good. They're really fun to watch. So why? Because their best player is a fat European. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I and he doesn't shoot step back threes. He does post up assists, like you know. True. I love that actually, like just just slow European big man. It's just fun to watch. I don't know why. It's just oh, it is fun to watch, but it's not like sexy for whatever reason. No, that's true. Yeah, you're right. It's the same thing with Dirk. Dirk's enjoyable to watch, but for whatever reason, Dirk wasn't sexy. Like nobody knows why. He just wasn't for to the American to anybody in the U.S., including NBA free agents. Yeah, I I kind of hate that about like american media and stuff that it's like so focused on like entertainment like i mean sure basketball is entertainment but like just fundamentals are fun as well and just like good basketball plays by great coaches that's that's a lot of fun in my opinion you know 
Yeah, but you know the NBA are not the NBA media is not basketball purists. But I mean, this I just want you to consider this. This is just crazy. An assist to turnover ratio of three point eight to point seven. <laughs> That's insane. From, from which player are you talking about? Monte Morris. Oh wow, that's really good. And he's he's in his second year. He didn't really even play last year. Like he played eight minutes a game in three games, and now, and now he's averaging an assist to turnover ratio comparable to Trey Jones at Duke, who is not going to be able to do that right away at the NBA. And that's just insane. Wow, he doesn't even start, right? No, he's the backup point guard. Like, is it crazy to say he might already? He's like definitely better than Devin Harris already, and that's insane. Because Devin was actually pretty good for them at the end of that season. And he's shooting 45% from three <laughs> on the three attempts. But uh, I don't. he was picked like 51st. I don't think the Mavs had a pick in, in 2017 back then. So they could have gotten him if they wanted to, but it didn't seem likely when they had like Yogi and stuff. But uh, going back to the, the deal and Courtney Lee, one love hey. to Courtney Lee for being a humble West Matthews and hopefully he can just get some minutes. I think he might get too many minutes because Rick might l- fall in love with him the way he fell in love with West Matthews. I think so. Yeah. But at the same time, I think West Matthews played a lot because the mess gave him so much money and Courtney Lee got that money from New York. So it's not like an obligation for Rick to play him a lot, you know? But I think you're right, still right. Well, I think he's going to love with his mentality, fall in love with his mentality, because, like, he, you see how much he talks about Wes Matthews being a competitor and nothing else matters to him. <laughs> yeah, that, that that sounds a lot like Courtney Lee. But I'm, I'm okay with him playing a lot, actually. I like Courtney Lee. No, I am, but I also want to see a little bit of too much Timmy. I also want to see, you know, some Dorian Finney-Smith still, even though Rick loves Dorian. I want to see Maxi start at center for every single game. Like, <laughs> you know. As long as he figures all that out, then I'm happy. And also, I think Courtney Lee fits with the bench, like, perfectly. Honestly, so I mean, yeah, isn't it nice to have like several wings now? Like, it yeah. feels like it hasn't been this way in so long. Yeah, exactly. So why why put put them all in the starting lineup? Why 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 play so short when you could just have some on the bench for luxury? You know? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I wouldn't start Courtney Lee. I would put in I would put in like the 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 obvious. You got to start Luca. Um, I think you sort of have to start Tim Hardaway Jr., even though the fit is questionable. I personally would bench Barnes because yeah. I'm thinking about trading him anyway. I just want him out. It's not going to happen. He's probably going to start at power forward or small forward. Well, I mean, they're looking to trade him. You saw If you saw the Zach Lowe piece, they're looking to trade him. They're fielding offers. Yeah, but probably because, because they're looking to trade him, they're not going to put him on the bench. Oh, yeah, they showcased him like nobody's business in that Detroit game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's like the only excusable reason they lost. If they didn't rely on Barnes intentionally, they would could have easily won that game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, another thing, I wish Daryl Macon actually had some minutes in that game. And yeah. Yeah. another thing, why the hell did they release Ray Spalding and not like J.J. Barea, who is already injured and on an expiring contract? Or, you know, like, you know, like, why? Why yeah. did it have to be Ray Spalding, 
who we signed to like a a four-year deal with the first year guaranteed and the three next years not guaranteed, who we picked in the draft and then gave him that contract, and now you're just going to kick him out after you had that much faith and after he's been producing so much in the G League? Like, I just don't understand. I mean, I think the plan is that the legends just pick him up, right? Well, yeah, but then he could be signed by any NBA team at any time. That's true. Yeah, it's not a smart move. Yeah. And I, I love Salah Mashri. Like, I really do. But I think it would have been smarter to release him. I think that's safe to say, but he's also Luca's friend, so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, yeah, the smartest thing was to just release JJ for the time being. Yeah, either JJ or, I guess, say, hey, Devin, it's time for you to be a coach. I guess so. I mean, Devin still produces, so. Yeah, he does. But I, I don't know. It depends on I don't know. It's just it's just kind of what you want, whatever you want. Like I would have just done Barea, honestly. Or or if I was a bit more heartless, I really would have just done Sala, to be honest. Yeah, I mean honestly, I think they're just also looking to the future. Like they just want to keep every player they have right now. So that means that if you release JJ, that is not smart. Like that, and that's why they chose ray i think so you choose the guy that's going to be potentially a key piece of your rotation in the future you choose to release him instead of a 33 32 33 34 year old guy who just came off an achilles tear yeah i don't know yeah <laughs> like there, it's not justifiable if you ask me no but like, even if he comes back and is still a semblance of himself you have like what a year Two years left tops of him before he's just done. Yeah. Because like he just I don't I don't think like he's like five foot ten and he's thirty four years old. Like there's a there's a point where he just you just can't take that anymore. I, I actually I don't really understand why JJ wants to come back. Like he's thirty four. Like he could just retire. Like he's not a kid. He has a kid who's like five years old. Like yeah, just spend time with your kids, man. <laughs> I mean I'm not here to criticize JJ Barea, but like no. What's in it for him, I guess, would be the question. Yeah, because, exactly. like, does he think the Mavs are going to make the playoffs next year? I think that's what he's thinking. Other so. than that, there's no reason. Like, yeah. I guess he just wants playoff basketball back. I mean, I want him back, but he's not going to be the same player. That's what I'm thinking. And even if he is, he's going to cause a lot of problems now. Because now yeah. we don't need him to be who he was. Exactly. Now that we have Trey Burke. Yeah, it's just kind of sad the way the his career had to end like this, but it, yeah. I think it's time to hang it up if I'm him or if I'm coming back to be like a mentor and not a guy that steals people's minutes. I think he's kind of open to doing that as well. Like, I think that's also it. Like he just wants to come back and just spend time with the team, like kind of what Dirk is doing, you know? Dirk doesn't. Well, yeah, really- but if that's the case, then he should just be a coach, like because I'm sure the Mavericks would hire him as a player development coach or something. For sure. Yeah, I guess that works. It's more fun to be an actual teammate, I, I've, I'd i figured, though. Well, I mean, yeah, it's cool to have your uniform, but if you're not playing, it's all just a technicality. Yeah, true. Uh, and it's not like the players don't consider you one of their bros already. I mean, you've been around for so long. I mean, I just want to add, though, that I do think that J.J. Brea is a great person. And oh, yes. And it's really for him. And he, was, he, he basically is one of the best players. So that really sucks. And I'm really happy that, that Trey Burke kind of replaces him, sort of. Yeah, really need- and I think JJ is going to be an excellent teacher. I just don't know how it's going to work out in terms of roster technicalities and all that. What do you think the starting lineup will look like? Uh, 
are we saying with KP or without? I'd say first without, and then what it will look like with Um, without uh, Luca, Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, maybe they start Courtney Lee at two guard and put Tim Hardaway to three, but I, I don't know. I wouldn't prefer it. Barnes at the three, Dodo at the four, Maxi at the five. Uh, Lee on the bench with Burke and um, with um, am I stumbling over names right now? Jalen Brunson. God, I don't know why that's so difficult, <laughs> but. <laughs> um Dwight Powell as well of course Dirk Nowitzki getting his standard five to ten minutes a game for the heck of it at this point most of the time but um you know that's cool with KP same thing except swap out obviously you're gonna put in KP at either the four or the five I'm saying the four for the sake of health concerns keep Maxi at the five um swap out Barnes for Dorian at the three because now you have Porzingis in the game and uh and then at the bench you have barnes until you trade him because you all know what's going to happen like it has to happen um barnes on the bench with lee and burke and brunson and powell and dirk i think the lineup you said like without barnes I would like that, but I don't think it's realistic. Like, I think as long as Barnes is on the team, he's going to start. Like, I don't want that, but it's going to happen. I mean, maybe, but I, I'm picking my starting line, and I'm not picking what I think will happen. I'm picking what I want. That's fair, yeah. I I, I basically agree with your lineup, if it's my pick. But I think Rick might actually start Trey Burke. And if he starts Trey Burke, we're, it's not going to be good for us. It's just not. Because Trey Burke is not the type of guy you want to start whenever you have Luka Doncic on your team. Sure, he could theoretically be like Sergio, the Sergio Yui next to the Luka, but there's too much theoreticality, and I don't think he has the passing in his game the way Sergio Yui has for comparative to level. Honestly, I'm, I'm kind of picturing him as like uh, having the, the Dennis Smith Jr. role, but doing it better. Like He doesn't he play just, like Dennis. He doesn't really play like Trey doesn't play like Dennis. He plays like a like a shooter. Like he's taking threes and stuff. Like he's not driving to dunk on you. No, not not in that way. But more like he he, he does drive for pull ups, I guess, right? And for layups. And yeah, then he just Sergio Yui does the same stuff. Like that's what I'm saying. Like you know the Sergio Yui, Real Madrid. He's like that's what he would be if he was starting next to Luca. He would have to play that sort of role. Yeah, kind of like uh, Goran Dragic as well. Yeah, but Goran, I would say it's a little. The situation there is a little different. Luca was. We're talking about MVP Luca. Like he was established as the better player, whereas Goran was still the better player than Luca at that time. Though I do think Luca handled the ball a lot in in the Slovenian team. Yes, he did. It was it was very much a, like a two man game, but Goran was the was the head. He won the MVP. Yeah, but, I, I think. Uh, Burke would be better off the bench, but if Rick starts him, it's not going to be that bad, I, I don't think. I think it can be problematic because the inconsistency is going to be head-scratching sometimes because it's still definitely a thing. Yeah, for sure. And whenever you want starters on your team, do you want a 26-year-old chucker who is super inconsistent and is undersized? Probably not. No. And now that you're mentioning it, I think you might actually uh, see him like as a JJ Barea, and he barely starts JJ. So 
Yeah. yeah, the only reason he started JJ on that finals run was because they like they just needed to do something different because the Heat knew what they'd been doing. And by the way, I know this is a random tangent, but shout out to Deshaun Stevenson. He literally shot like 81% true shooting in that series, which wow. is just insane. Yeah. Like he was that was like the best series of his life. And we're including the one where he went against LeBron and like hit a three in LeBron's face and was making fun of LeBron with Social Boy. <laughs> I'm I'm really sad I missed the championship run, honestly. I for those who don't know, I became a fan during two thousand twelve. Yeah. Because that's when League Pass for for the first time started. So that's the only way I could watch in the Netherlands here. And it started with the OG Mayo season. So I've basically only seen the bad years and I wasn't around during the championship year. So that really sucks for me, honestly. Yeah, you can still find a lot of those. Like there's this YouTuber who has like a bunch of those games from 2011 full games uploaded to YouTube. So you can watch them in full and stuff. That's true. Yeah, I was actually planning on doing that. But it's not it's not really the same. You know, I, I really wanted to like be around that underdog vibe and just like beating Great teams after great team, you know. Especially, would you have wanted to be around for, like, the entire regular season, too, with, like, the Karan Butler injury, and then they all, like, come back? Yeah, I mean, that's not fun, the injury, but, like... The, but, like, like the, the whole, like, comeback story from that injury. Yeah, I definitely would have wanted, would have wanted to see that, yeah. The entire way that season went is just incredible. And you know yeah. what's even more interesting? You know what you know the differences in wins between that year and the previous year? Uh, no, I don't. Two. <laughs> they won two more games, and instead of losing in the first round, they went to the finals, and they won after beating the two-time defending champions and KD and Russ whenever Russ was still dropping, like, 22 a game. And KD was, like, a, a year or two away from being an MVP, and he was still dropping 26 a night. And yeah. you, they had Serge Ibaka back whenever he couldn't shoot threes, but he was getting four blocks a game. <laughs> Serge Ibaka putting his hand in Dirk's grill so well, and Dirk dropping 48 in his face. Yeah. <laughs> With Jeff and Gundy saying he should, Serge Ibaka should name his son Dirk. Yeah, I, I have seen that. Yeah, that, that was really funny. Yeah, like it's just everything was crazy. Then the mothers, the Mother's Day massacre too. Like all of it, Dirk scoring forty points and somehow saving the Mavericks from losing in Game Four on the road, hitting all these crazy shots that still are not in a Joseph Vincent highlight tape. I'm really salty about this, but should I go on? I think I've said enough. But like, you know, you get the idea. Like the entire that entire season was just crazy. I mean, I still think it's really funny that, like, Jason Terry just put a championship tattoo on his, like, leg, I guess. Nope, it was on his bicep. His bicep, yeah, 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 wow. And before they even became champions, and, and it actually happened. So yeah, they, they did it at the start. He did it at the start of the year. Like, he was like, we're winning the championship, y'all. I don't... And then, like, everyone thought he was crazy, and then he did it. Yeah, but that's insane. But uh, I don't know if we said it already, but I was really worried that because the JJ injury happened, that Dwight Powell would be playing a lot worse. But I'm actually, not sure if you did, but yeah, let's go back to that. Yeah, Luca has actually been having a great chemistry with Dwight. I didn't expect that. I thought basically all Dwight did was just receive passes from JJ. Yeah, JJ and also a little bit of Devin for a little while last year too, and Yogi a little bit. Yeah. But actually, Luca has been replacing that 
really well and and Dwight hasn't been looking worse or at all in my opinion so that really surprised me and I'm happy with that yeah it's it's nice to see that he's useful once again because for like 20 games this year he was almost useless I mean he shoot he shoots too many threes and he that's starts not to... his fault that's not his fault that's Rick yeah, yeah yeah for sure but I mean like Rick is stuck figure out well i think the problem is that they want him to get better but what you don't understand is him taking a bunch of threes whenever he doesn't have confidence in himself and nobody has confidence in him doesn't do anything for you what you need to do is you need him to spend a summer in the gym like Kawhi leonard just shooting thousands of threes every single friggin day because the form isn't even that bad it's just it's not practiced the way like a like i'm not saying he doesn't shoot threes in practice i'm sure he does but like if you know the story of Kawhi leonard he spent an entire summer just chucking threes with the shooting coach with all sorts of like endurance exercises to make sure he was shooting threes when he was tired and all this like this you can find some really interesting stories about that and i think dwight powell's gonna need something like that for him to ever become an actual like somewhat legitimate like league average shooter I mean, I'm kind of annoyed that Dwight has to, like, jump really high whenever he shoots, and he has to, like, jump forward very much. Like, why can't he just, like, jump, like, an inch and just shoot it, like, really casually? Well, I think the thing is, is that he, I understand it, because it is the traditional jump shot form, but he's not a guard. And I think he's, I think that it's partially just because of he's, like, so springy. That it's, some of it's not even really, like, he's aware of it, of how high he's jumping. Because I think, of how yeah. high he can jump. I think he should practice like uh, standing still shots a lot, like like his free throws. Like he just doesn't jump, so that when he actually wants to shoot, he just barely jumps and it still goes in. I think that's something he needs to work on. What I think he needs to do is he needs to get a consultation with like um, someone like a big man that takes. Even though Maxi Kleba is not like a great shooter or anything. Just, like, let Maxi Kleba teach Dwight to shoot, and maybe he'll shoot 30% from three, and then it won't be so ugly. Yeah, exactly. Because Maxi doesn't really jump high. He shoots it really, like, uh, nonchalantly a bit, a bit. And if he teaches that to Dwight, that will really help. Yeah, the only thing with that is that you're going to have a lot of jumpers that are short. But I'll take that over a guy that just it's just a is it is it gonna touch the rim today like <laughs> that's what that's what you ask yourself with Dwight Powell right now so I wanted to talk a bit about All-Star Weekend like Luca and the Rising Stars game Dennis Smith Jr. sort of being a MF and the dunk contest Dirk being an All-Star uh being in the three-point contest Luca being in the skills challenge yeah um well when it comes to Dennis I guess I want him to win it because he was kind of robbed last year. So for nothing else other than revenge, I guess I want him to win it. But at the same time, I have a sneaky suspicion it's going to go to the home hometown boy in Miles Bridges. I mean, Dennis Smith is sort of a hometown boy as well. You know, he's from uh, South Carolina. He's from North Carolina. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. But like it's like when we phrase a hometown boy versus home team boy. I mean, that's a tough choice. I mean, like, they're both they both have something hometown, so. And I think, but I just think I'm really impressed by Miles Bridges as like a dunker and as a player also. So, I really take either Dennis or him in that contest to win. Yeah, for sure, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Like, have you seen? Remember those those put back dunks where he had like two in a row in the preseason? They were you both just like were like, oh my god, look at this. Yeah, I think I've seen them. Yeah, he's he's a really powerful dunker as well. Yeah, I would I would love to see a a one on one duo with them dunking like nobody's business. Yeah. But first, we got to see if DJ Khaled's willing to give him a good score. Yeah. <laughs> so, you think uh, Dirk would finish his rack, his three point contest rack? I think they should change the rules of the contest to where you have a rebounder who grabs your rebounds and then just immediately passes it out to you because it's more natural to do a catch and shoot than a wreck. And that way Dirk doesn't break his wrists or something like trying to pick up a ball from the rack 50 times. But it's also like that that's the point of the game. Like it's, it's kind of different than shooting normally. So yeah. I don't know if that really was the intention, though, if they just wanted to make it look, like, flashy with, like, the racks and have, like, the money ball balls and whatever. I guess so, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think he'll be fine. You know, he, he he shoots it pretty quickly. Yeah, but the real problem is going to be how well is he going to be able to move from rack to rack? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, is he just going to get in, like, a, a, like a, a motor-powered uh, wheelchair? <laughs> I mean, he said it himself on the Zach Lowe podcast. He said he, he's basically going to sprint from rack to rack. <laughs> and hopefully not fall over. I hope so, Because that's a yeah. real concern, actually. <laughs> he falls a lot. It's so weird. I, I mean, can you blame him? He's like a 40-year-old man. <laughs> and he's seven foot. He's, really, he's always been kind of clumsy. He's a yeah. 40-year-old seven-foot man who is coming off of ankle surgery. Yeah. <laughs> I would almost be surprised if it didn't happen. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So, I love you, Dirk. Yeah, same, of course. You think Luca wins the skills challenge? I think he should, but it I don't know. I mean, does he take it seriously? I don't know. That's a fair point. And also it's kind of just it's kind of luck based. Like sometimes it just it just goes well and sometimes it doesn't. Literally the only thing that can go wrong for Luca is if he misses the shot. Like, otherwise, everything else is going to be perfect. I mean, that passing always looks really difficult. Like the. Do you know Luka Doncic? Do you know his passing ability? I'm not, I have zero concerns. I mean, he's, he's also a great shooter, so yeah. His passing is on a different level than his shooting. His shooting sure. is like baby Harden, whereas his passing is like already elite when it comes to actually passing, he just doesn't get to do it enough, and he's done it a lot more as of late. So, but also he doesn't really shoot that many uh, chest passes, right? I'm sure he can do it. He knows the fundamentals. Like I wouldn't be too worried about that. Like there are bigger oh. concerns. Like number one, is Luca gonna drive inside and then intentionally step back just for the flash and for the brand alone? He might actually, yeah. Like, imagine Luca hitting a step back three in all of his rounds. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Or better yet, a step back three on the final round to beat, like, what, like, Nikola Jokic? Who, I, like, if he's going to lose to somebody, I would not be surprised if he loses to Nikola Jokic because Luca gets too confident and ends up being, like, a tortoise versus the hare situation. I guess that that's actually a possibility, yeah. Not that it matters. This is all just fine games anyway. Um, Dirk as the quote-unquote coach of the world team. That's cool. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, I guess he said like uh, that he, he probably doesn't have to coach 
that much himself. No, no, no. It's just a, it's an honorable <laughs> thing. It's just an honorable like position. It's just like a thing where you get to go talk to a bunch of young dudes, basically. Maybe yeah. do a little uh, recruiting. You know, <laughs> like I would love to see Bogdan Bogdanovich come to uh, the Dallas Mavericks. How about you? I mean, <laughs> uh, in like two years, if the Mavs even have like an American player, like maybe they just have 15 international guys no they're gonna they're they'll still have like hardaway and whatever that's true i guess they could trade him you know ban all american players <laughs> but why like do you, you sometimes you just need a little diversity in the locker room um, of course even though i'm european i love the nba because it's so american you know i love american players i love that it's different from soccer and stuff yeah and another thing I was going to ask you when we were talking about Porzingis, did you get a chance to watch him when he was playing for Sevilla? For what? Whenever Porzingis was playing in Europe, did you get a chance to watch him when he was playing at his no. club team? What's European basketball that much, except the FIBA, the, the Euro Cup and stuff. The Euro basket? I watched every Latvia game from uh, the Euro Cup last year. Yeah, but not really as a uh, Spanish team. Yeah, isn't it crazy that Luca and Porzingis played head to head and now they're on the same team? Yeah, it was actually really funny because I was really rooting for Kristaps Porzingis because I barely knew Luca, and then he just shot shots in Kristaps' face, and I was like, "Who is this guy? Why is he shooting?" That was like the time that I was annoyed that Luca was playing well, and it was the last time that I ever felt like. Yeah, that was that's just insane. And what would be even crazier is if, like, somehow they get, like, Luca played Laurie Markkinen. But I don't even know how that would work, having Laurie Markkinen and Kristaps. I just don't think that would work. But it would be a little weird if it did happen. Or if the Mavs go for, like, Bogdan Bogdanovich. He played Bogdan in the in that in that tournament, too. Oh, yeah, Dirk being in the All-Star game. Uh, do, I think that's pretty awesome. I think so, too. I don't think he's going to play that much, but it's going to be cool. He's going to take two shots. Hopefully he makes the fadeaway and not the three-pointer because the three-pointer would be kind of boring. I think he's going to be picked last. Well, he's going to be picked either last or second to last because they made an honorary third round for him and Wade. Oh, okay. And, you know, so but like Wade's saying LeBron better pick me. So if LeBron picks first, then yeah, Dirk technically gets picked last. But, you know. Yeah. whatever so do you think luca will be mvp of the rising stars game um him or simmons or like um is it mitchell's in there so mitchell tatum one of them maybe shy gilgis alexander takes over maybe bogdan comes out of nowhere like he did last year and just takes over or De'Aaron fox maybe De'Aaron fox maybe but for some reason i feel like he's not going to get enough of what does he get to do enough because tatum's going to want it too much i just have one more topic. Maybe you have something left after that, but it's whether the Mavs could still make the playoffs. So what are you thinking? Um, It depends on KP is coming back or not, really. If KP is coming back in the next month, then I'd say there's like a 30% chance they make the playoffs. If KP doesn't come back at all or not until like the last 10 games, I would put the odds no higher than 15% at best. I mean... Honestly, personally, I was kind of feeling that DeAndre Jordan and Wesley Matthews really held the team back and that they lacked like wing depth. So now they've got more wings and those players are gone. Maxi gets more playing time. He, he will really start at center and stuff. I think, honestly, the Mavs are way better than before. No, yeah, but the problem is that they're in a hole. 
Yeah. So they they can play better than they did before, but I don't think they can lift themselves out of a hole that they put themselves in by being so questionable with their decisions that now I don't think they can recover from it. I think they could perhaps produce a close to 500 record, like 39 and 43 or something. Whereas it seemed like it was going to be closer to like 37 or 36 because Harrison and West made so many problems and DeAndre was ruining things. But I guess it depends. Like if Luca somehow takes another step again, (laughs) like another one, because he's gone from like 18 and four to now like 20 and six in a month. If he goes to like 22 and eight, <laughs> then like I don't know. Then you can start really talking about it. Yeah, I think their schedule is a lot easier now. They're playing a lot of East teams, and I think they could go on a run. And maybe they'll be around 0.500 soon, and then we'll just go from there. I guess you know. Well, currently they're in like a six-game hole of 500, either five or six. So it's gonna be tough. To, it's it, they would have to win like five in a row just to get to 500 before like the all-star break going like seven out of ten or something is around the same result right yeah like i i I want it to happen and all it's just it's tough because the mavericks without chris depps are gonna be relying on luca and tim hardaway jr and trey burke to generate like most of their offense and then you need to hope maxi kleba actually finally has earned rick's trust and that dorian finney smith plays more i want to mention this let's take a look at tankathon really quick and i think it's worth what that was what i was gonna say the thing is i I'm really against tanking this year because I just don't want to lose the risk of losing the top five pick. And also, you have to tank so hard to get that. Like, you could fall out of the top five so easily. I just feel like I'd rather the Mavs have a nine seed. They're not going to get the nine seed if they don't make the playoffs. They're going to get, like, the 11 seed. Like, they're either going to get in or they're going to be behind because they're in too much of a hole. But you can't really know that. Honestly, I'm more like at it like let's just see how much they can win let's just just not focus on hoping they'll lose that's just something i'll mostly focus on during the summer you know oh i'm not rooting for them to lose i just think it's worth mentioning that if i'm putting the odds of the Mavs to make the playoffs at about 15 percent and the odds of the Mavs keeping their pick right now is 9.4 or so all right it's worth considering that's all i'm saying No, you're right. Yeah. Because if the Mavericks got to, say, the seventh slot, you're talking about a clean, like, 25% chance of keeping your pick. And that's really important to consider. Or if you get to the number six slot, you're talking about, like, 37.2% chance to keep your pick. Or if you get... If you get to the fifth slot, you you get the extra little chance of getting the fifth pick along with the top four. So now you have like 43 plus two. So you only have like a 45% chance to keep your pick. That's pretty good. But still, uh, it would suck so much if we're in the top five and we lose that pick. Like, can you um, imagine? Well, if we're in the top five and we get and we lose the pick, what's most likely to happen is it falls to seven if we're fifth. And if we're fourth, we're most likely to fall to six. And if you're... Third, you're also very likely to fall to six. If you're second, you're most likely to fall to fourth. And if you're number one, you're 
I mean, sorry, you're most likely to fall to fifth. And number one, you are guaranteed top five, which I don't think the Mavericks can be the worst team in the league. So, you know. That's also like there's so there's there's a bunch of teams that are so bad. The Mavs aren't going to be competing with them for tanking. So I what's I interesting is that Orlando is ahead of them and Orlando could easily make the playoffs. Washington might be going on a playoff push. Detroit's definitely on a playoff push. So those three teams are all up in the air. And then you move Dallas up three whole slots in the lottery, and now you can really start asking yourself questions. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I'm just really always annoyed that there are so many Mass fans that are just, like, focusing on thinking. Like, how is that fun to watch, you know? Well, it's not fun. It's just a question of strategy. Do you want to try to get yourself, like, a Jarrett Culver in this draft or you want to try to get like a deandre hunter and a brandon clark in this draft or a grant williams and deandre hunter like these sorts of defensive guys that you can plug in right away and still contribute on the offensive end of the floor very nicely have some strength and size and quite versatile like there's a lot of those sorts of guys in this draft but there's just not outside of zion the high-end guys are all not very high-end in any other draft that's good this is a very average draft outside of the first pick. Yeah, but I mean, more like you, you don't have like control over it. You're just watching a team that wants to win. So why would you root for them to lose? You I'm know? not rooting for them to lose. I'm just saying it's worth thinking about the consequences of winning. No, for sure you aren't. But like there are a lot of fans who are le- really like, they, they really get mad at the Mavs when they win, you know. That's that's really messed up in my opinion. I think they'll stop getting mad if Chris Tapps comes back. Oh, for sure, yeah. That's why I really hope he comes back, because that just sends a message that the Mavs are going to try to win, you know. And it is worth mentioning the reports that are all counting up about Chris Stapps coming in, because literally Jeff Skin Wade said on the radio, you have that New York Daily News piece that said that he was essentially cleared to play. Now, what we do know for almost certainly is that Chris Dapps has not had his physical yet. Yes. So, most likely, Rick is being precautious, and Mark Cuban is definitely being precautious. And while they have a good knowledge about it, they don't want to disappoint the fans and then end up having a riot outside of the AAC, because that, like... Like, could you imagine saying Chris Dats Porzingis is going to play this year? And then, sorry, sorry, people, we meant uh, 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 the fall of this year, not uh, the spring. No, you're right. I think ex- that's exactly what they're doing, yeah. I think there's a good chance he comes back. As to whether or not it's as soon as people are thinking it is, I that's too up in the air. Yeah, I guess maybe after the All-Star break. That would be ideal if he can't come back right away on, like, Wednesday. Yeah. I, I guess the biggest thing to say with all that is trust Casey Smith. Oh, for sure. He's a great doctor. And the Mavericks have one of the best, like, doctor training staffs in the league. Like, they've been able to keep JJ on the court, Dirk on the court, Devin Harris on the court, all these old players, uh, Darren Williams on the court. You know, like, if they've been able to keep all these old guys on the court, they know what they're going to be able to do with the young guy who was a year off tearing his ACL and almost a year off of the surgery. So, I mean, usually the recovery is a little less than a year, but he's seven foot three, so let's say it takes exactly a year. Optimistically, then you're talking about him coming back literally right after the All-Star break. Yeah, for sure. All right, so that's Too Much Monte podcast episode two the Too Much Timmy podcast, if you will. <laughs> so, Max, you want to say where everybody can find you? Um, yes. The handle has changed. So, no longer is it at RangersKing669, the username of my childhood. It is now at Max Scouts. 
you can also find me with the generic Mavs unicorn logo that everyone has now. And uh, also work on lockdraft.com coming soon. It's mostly just the website problems. And also um, some work coming eventually in the Dallas Prospect, just getting held back to various obstacles. So um, yeah, that should be coming soon. And uh, I believe that's everything for now. Third round picks, right? Yes, the third round picks. Yes, that's the name of our podcast. We actually are recording an episode in a couple hours after this so that's gonna be interesting uh we'll be talking about deandre hunter and ty jerome of virginia as well as all the prospects on uh, michigan including iggy brezdegas and jordan Poole. all right cool so uh check max out he has some cool stuff so that's it right well you gotta talk about you uh you can find well, can. Uh, your channel on it's already on my channel and i don't really have a that's kind of confusing actually i i don't really have like a twitter account for this youtube channel but i do if you're interested in basketball stuff I have the at Mavericks Monte uh, Twitter account. I it, it started out as for, sort of like a parody account as for Monte Ellis. I didn't even really have my name on it. I just was my Mavericks Monte and I just kind of like talked really honestly about the mess. But now people started like knowing me a bit. So I just I was like, all right, let's just put my name Dennis on, on there. But it's still like basically that I'm just unfiltered like talking about the mess and I don't tweet too much. So if you want to follow me, I'm not going to spam or anything. It's just you don't tweet much, but like you tweet in spurts. Like you, you'll go yeah. tweeting for like a day, and then not come back for a little while. Yeah, for sure, that's it. Like, like I, I always want to tweet something, but then I'm, I have so many arguments that I like put six tweets in a row. But that's always like just once every week. I'll, I'll just do that. You know, it's not like every day I start spamming. And also, it's because I can't really always watch live because of time zones here in Europe. So mostly I just tweet when I'm watching live, which is when most people are probably like checking the Twitter anyway. So it's not annoying. Yeah, it's not annoying. It's just like there's just it's just the noting of your tendencies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, another thing worth mentioning, I am going to be at a Dallas Mavericks game very soon. So if any of you people out there are going to the Mavs versus Blazers. On February 10th, I would love to like say hello and whatever and just get to know some of y'all because I don't get to talk to as many Mavs fans in person as I want to at all. I feel kind of lonely out here. (laughs) And, you know, like it's kind of hard in these streets whenever pretty much everyone at your school is like not a Mavs fan. They're all like Celtics fans, Knicks fans, Warriors fans. You have no idea how many Steph Curry's jerseys like and then there's a whole bunch of people that just wear Kyrie's Irving shoes even though they're not basketball players because they like I guess they like Kyrie's <laughs> so but like no mass fans there's like maybe I've seen like three people with Doncic jerseys no I know what you're saying like I barely see any basketball fans in general here and when I see them it's always they're talking about the Warriors or recently I, I met a guy who was constantly talking about the Rockets which was even more annoying and, or your brother yeah. who likes the Thunder yeah but I can appreciate that because the Thunder are a fun team their culture is fun they stole yeah. the Sonics yeah okay that's true yeah yeah I'm still super angry about that um but 
get you that. know. And another thing with that too, it's weird because I literally live like in Dallas. <laughs> Still nobody. Yeah, weird. But I guess that's because the Cowboys are so popular. No, know? it's not because of that. It's because nine nine percent of high schoolers are bandwagon fans. They okay, just yeah. want to wear. They just want to be cool. Wear yeah. Steph Curry jerseys. I'm not with that crowd. And also, we actually have a whole lot of transplants from like outside of Texas at the school. So that's partially the reason why there's a whole bunch of like Celtics fans and yeah. like Rockets fans. Sorry, by the way, that we're so we're going from conversation to conversation. Like we're really hectic with that. But I, I, yeah. I personally. Yeah, have fun with that because we're just saying whatever we're thinking but sometimes well this is the outro so you know it can kind of be all over the place a little bit no for sure all right i think i think that's everything so uh you know mffl and uh chris Stapps, please come back soon i'm just happy we have porzingis and let's just move forward with that also deandre is finally gone took yeah. us long enough let's get harrison barnes out of here and fully wash our hands of this mess I think it's really, really, really funny how the you know, Army Jordan screwed us over in 2015. And then and we then screwed we... him over to get Porzingis. Yep. Yeah, exactly. All worth it. It's just perfect. Like He can go was... back to rotting in hell now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of like, like kind of worried that we signed him back so easily. Like, why would you forgive him so easily? But then I was like, okay, sure. Well, I was think I, I think it's pretty obvious they were using him as trade bait the entire time now. Yeah, exactly. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, and then imagine if he d- actually does get bought out and he ends up on the Lakers. Yeah, I mean that would kind of suck, I guess. Yeah, that'd be crazy because <laughs> they would still lose. <laughs> and DeAndre yeah. would all the Lakers fans would like really hate DeAndre because they're taking minutes from a uh, Avicha Zubax. <laughs> I mean, for some reason, I think he he play better in Los Angeles. You know, more spacing and stuff. I think. Well, yeah, but he's is he gonna try on defense now? Maybe because he has LeBron James, and you know, LeBron James might get on his ass. Yeah, exactly. And they have like a legit shot at the playoffs. They have a legit shot at losing in the second round. Exactly. Yeah. They're not making it to the conference finals, y'all. Sorry if you thought. I that mean, was... maybe if Yara Jordan comes there and he tries. No, 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 no. still no. No, no, okay. no way. <laughs> look at look at the teams. You're talking about Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Stephen Adams, and yeah. that's like the four seed, right? <laughs> no way. The yeah. Nuggets have Nikola Jokic, who is literally the most under the radar MVP candidate in a long time, like since like what Steve Nash, and he's leading his team to like a top three record in the West. With him and a bunch of shooters, he's basically like the new quote unquote. Not as a player, but just like where you can surround him with a bunch of shooters. The new LeBron, if you surround him with a bunch of shooters that can sort of kind of create their own shot, it's going to work. And look, lo and behold, it's working. And now he's turned up the scoring. He scored like 30 points in like a bunch of back-to-back games. So, you know, shout out to Nikola Jokic. Oh, and sure. uh, yeah. he needs to go off in the All-Star game for my help. Yeah, we're going on way too long because we basically already ended it with well, I mean, we're kind of just like that. Like, I'm I'm young and not responsible, and you're new. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like, it, it's just natural. Like, it's just a conversation, and sometimes it goes like that. Yeah, yeah. so uh, one love, y'all. Hashtag GameFFL. Chris Dats, we love you. Please don't leave us. We need you for the future. Luca and Unicorn 2022 NBA champions on the Dallas Mavericks. Let's go. I got two, 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 two. Monte Ellis, ask the fellas, food talk trash because they jealous. Laid back from the south, trying to hack up, I'll make you shut your mouth.
even though there are lots of mass fans, there are like maybe two mass fans in my entire 5,000 person high school. And there might be like 10 more now that the mass traded for, for Porzingis. But other than that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I barely know any, any mass fans uh, here. So yeah. But I know like, there are some other Dutch mass fans though. You've interacted with a couple of them already on yeah, Twitter. Like, like, like two or three. I just, I just found them like a couple of weeks ago. But that was like the first time I ever saw them. Like, we're just gonna talk about percentages here for just a second. I'm sorry. We're just. Yeah, I just have to say this. Fifty, fifty-seven percent from three in the 2011 finals for Deshaun Stevenson. Wow. <laughs> like, do you wonder? Like, that's just crazy. It's it's just, it's just insane. Like, I wasn't kidding. Eighty-one point five percent true shooting. <laughs> I, d- I don't even understand how this is, like, possible. The guy was, like, a league average shooter at best for, like, his entire career. I mean, yeah, that kind of happens when you're hot, I guess, you know? But, like, th- that's not just hot. That That's an entire series just, like, flames. He's on fire. Yeah, okay. Out of this dude that was a major bust compared to Michael Jordan and uh, started a beef with LeBron. 